0: well hello and welcome to straight talk about money with me your host coach chris have you ever uttered these words i wish i'd learned about money in school well if so this podcast is for you i want to take the mystery out of your money world so you can take back control of your money and stop living from pay to pay i want to be able to talk simply and plainly about all things money so if you have questions, and I know you do, then send them in to me at podcast at And let's take the mystery out of money so that you can save, give, take a trip, buy your own home, retire, become a millionaire, whatever it is you want to do with your money. I want to help you. So join me and start your journey towards a strong financial future today. Hello there and welcome back and we are continuing our series today on investing. Last week we spoke about knowing when you can invest so if you didn't listen to that I suggest you listen to that one first because that really helps you to know when it's the right time for you to invest and really there's no ever good or bad times to invest but it's more about the affordability of investing. So today we're going to continue our series and I As I mentioned last week, I'm going to start with investing in property. The reason I start there is because many people feel that that's the go-to thing to invest in. Now, that's not necessarily right, uh, but it might be right for you. And only you can decide that. So I really want to go through the things that are involved with investing in property. Some of the reasons people like investing in property um, is um, that they like the fact that it's um, bricks and mortar um, and it feels stable, doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. They seem to understand uh, property a little bit more, uh, simply because most people who invest in property actually live in a house or a, an apartment or a unit or something. And so they feel like they understand the costs associated with it. So probably, you know, it's a good place to start, but it's not right for everybody. Um and you've got to be very careful on what you actually purchase. So we're going to go through some ver- the very basics today. Obviously, I can't go into too much depth in about 15, 20 minutes, so, but I'll do my best. All right. So let's first of all talk about um, so the things like the, uh, the deposit. So the first thing is when you're looking to purchase an investment property, um, you might cast your mind back to when you purchased your first home and the fact that you needed to have um, a deposit. And oh my goodness, if I'm going to buy property now is about four, 500,000 for me to buy a decent property. I'm going to need about 100,000, 80,000 deposit. How am I ever going to get that? And they think that they can't go anywhere with that. But if you've been really diligent and you're in the home that you already have, you have been reducing your debt, you will have what's called equity in your home. And what that means is the amount of profit or the amount of unmortgaged space, if you like. So picture your house. I'm getting into do a lot of picturing in these uh investment um investment podcast, but, you know, close your eyes, think about this. So picture a house and picture the fact, let's say you purchased the house for 300,000 and you now owe 200,000 in debt. So what that would mean is that according to your mortgage, you've got 100,000 in equity. However, the property price, the house where you're living may have also gone up, might have gone up to $400,000. So if you've got a $400,000 valued house and you've got a mortgage of $100,000 or $200,000, I think we said, $200,000, then you would have equity of $200,000. So you can utilize that equity to be able to purchase another property and use that as your deposit. That deposit on that chunk, even though it's secured against your home, is tax deductible um, and um, because you're using it for the purposes of investing and we'll go into more about tax deductibility later on in the podcast um so Now, you can use all of that equity, it's very rare nowadays that you can get a mortgage for 100% lend against the value of your property, so you already have a certain amount of lend still owing some of your mortgage and the equity available, usually the bank only like to lend up to 80%, or they can do 85, 90, but very rare these days that we see 100% lend. Now, let's say you've got a home that's valued four hundred thousand dollars, and so you want to do an eighty percent lend. That would work out to be about three hundred twenty thousand. So if you only owe two hundred thousand, you can borrow another hundred and twenty on top. You still stay below the eighty percent lend, um, or at eighty percent lend, and you've got one hundred twenty thousand for your deposit on your investment property. Now, if you go higher than an 80% lend, you will have to pay what's called Lender's Mortgage Insurance, often referred to around the traps as LMI, all right, Lender's Mortgage Insurance. And whenever you pay, whenever you borrow more than a 80% value of your home or whatever you're borrowing against, you have to pay. It's a one-off payment and there are calculators online to help you work out how much LMI you would be paying, Okay. Now, at the time of doing this podcast, there are certain banks out there and they're usually government run banks and possibly in the state where you live. I know I'm in South Australia and the HomeStart Bank here will allow you to have certain loans um, and the certain terms and conditions of these loans that al- will allow you to have as little as a 3% deposit and they won't charge you lender's mortgage insurance. So there are, there are alternatives to what, to what I'm saying, but the general rule is that if you borrow more than 80%, you will have to pay lender's mortgage insurance. So let's just have a look at how that equity is... Achieved really to to make your deposits, you really have to look at the fact. Well, you know, be very focused on reducing the debt on your own home, or what you're going to borrow against, or if you are just creating a deposit, be focused on your savings. So in every case, like we mentioned last week, we've got to be able to see um, more income than expenses, so that you can create a profit in your everyday finances to create either a deposit for a home, an investment property, or pay down debt on your personal home so that you create equity. And also, not only by reducing debt, by the fact that the property is going up in price, that also will create equity. Now, that is called capital growth. Capital growth is when your property increases in value. All right. So what we're saying then is you now have some sort of a deposit. If you looked at that and you've said, yeah, my property has grown in value. Plus, I've been reducing my debt. So I've got a considerable amount of equity. In fact, I've got $200,000 worth of equity. Well, that's what we then call leveraging. You are then going to leverage around against the value of your home to purchase another property you may decide to purchase one or two properties, entirely up to you, depending on how big a commitment you want. Some people will think of it as a headache. Other people will just love doing it. They'll feel like they're playing a game of Monopoly. But, you know, if you look at that and you've got a considerable amount of equity, you know, if you've got 200,000, 300,000, 400,000 worth of equity, you might decide, well, actually, I might put 100,000 deposit on two properties and then I can get another two properties. So that's called leveraging leveraging against your personal property. Now, let's just talk quickly about gearing. You've probably all heard of negative gearing. Some of you would have heard of positive gearing and not many neutrally gearing or neutrally geared. So let's just explain negative gearing. Negative gearing is when you have an an investment that is costing you money. So you have to prop this investment up every week, fortnight, month, year, depending on what that is. So what that would mean is if in the case of an investment property, it means that the rent coming in does not cover all of your expenses. Positive gearing, on the other hand, means that the rent coming in is greater than your expenses. Um, And neutrally geared means that the same amount of money coming in is the same amount of money going out. Sometimes people will call that cash flow neutral. All right, so that's gearing negative, positive or neutral. So let's talk about the expenses associated with your property. Um, You need to think about things like um, the cost of the interest payment. The principal payment is a cost also, but it's not classed as tax deductible. So really, the cost of holding your property is often related to a property being negative or positive or neutral. And this is associated with being able to claim a tax deduction when you do your tax return. So principal and interest payments, the interest portion is tax deductible and is a cost, but the principal payment is not. You might decide to just have an interest only loan, which you can do on an investment property for a certain length of time. Eventually it will go to principal and interest and you need to factor that into your costs. But if you're the type of person that says, no, I want to actually reduce my debt along the way, um, then you might opt for a principal and interest payment. Sometimes people will decide interest only on investment properties until they've paid off their own personal mortgage on their home um, and then go to principal and interest on their investment property. But other people will do the same, but will do principal and interest on everything that they own. And that's perfectly fine. But you do need to factor those. The whole payment into your expenses, because you need to know that you can hold the, you need to know that you can hold this property and you need to know the cost of holding that property. So the principal and interest payments or just the interest payments is a cost. Um, the management fees, I would strongly, uh, recommend, you know, if you're a busy person to have your property managed by a rental manager is a great way to go, but you will have to pay for that. Um, And so that's something that needs to be thought about. All different investment, uh, sorry, all different management companies, rental management companies charge different fees. But the average is around about eight, nine percent can go up to 11, 12 percent, depending on the service that they provide. And it's a really good idea to interview those people. People will often uh, look at me funny when I say interview those people. But the reason I say that is this is your investment. So really, if you think about it, it's like your business. And you need to be able to trust the people that are working for you. And a rental manager is working for you. They are actually going to go to your home, your your investment property. And they are going to make sure that it's been taken care of that um, any maintenance issues that need doing, that the rent is being paid on time and that all the bills are being paid on time. And so you need to know that you can talk quite openly and honestly with them, that they will listen to you, that they will take your calls, that you will hear from them and that they will keep in constant uh, correspondence with you. And you might want to set a limit, you know, don't, you know, I'm happy for you to go ahead and do any repairs up to a hundred dollars, but anything over that, I want you to call me first. Things like that. So that's a cost to you. They will put GST on that, of course. So if it is management fees of 9%, you'll be charged 9.9%. So remember that in your charges. And there's always admin fees on top of that. Um, so watch out for those as well. So make sure you ask all of those because they will also charge a letting fee at the beginning and sometimes they'll charge a week's worth of rent. Um, And then that will work out to be one week plus GST. Um, They may charge um, inspection fees. Some companies charge inspection fees. Um, Some people will charge to go into a tribunal if there's something wrong with your tenant and things are going wrong with the property because of the tenant, they might charge a tribunal fee. So when you go and interview your rental manager, find out what all of the fees and charges are. The other thing you might have are bank fees. Just check that with regard to your mortgage. If you've got a bank fee in there that's going to be charged every year or every month, make sure you put that in your costs. There'll be things like council rates. There will be water rates. If you live in South Australia, there'll be an emergency service levy. There'll be insurance that you'll need to take out. This is for building insurance um, and also landlord insurance. You need to remember that landlord insurance covers you for damage on your property caused by your tenant, or if somebody does a runner on you and leaves without paying rent, it will helps helps you with that too. It sometimes will cover pet damage, sometimes not. So make sure that you really explore your policy. Make sure you understand that. Some um, expenses may incur body corporate fees or strata fees, depending whether you're in an apartment block or whether you're part of a group of houses. Uh, units, that type of thing. So that might be in there as well. And things like repairs and maintenance. Um, I mean, one of the other things that also you may be, uh, you want to put in there for your costs, which you should do, is the cost of going to see your accountant every year so they can do your tax return and make sure you can claim maximum amount of tax um, against the property. Okay, sorry, expenses against the property, which will help your tax return. So, when I talked before about gearing, if your expenses of all of those things are greater than the rental income that comes in, that would be negatively geared. If all after looking at all of those expenses that your income is still higher, that would be positively geared, and if it's break even, that's neutrally geared um i'm not sure if i just mentioned as well repairs and maintenance always set aside a bit of money for repairs and maintenance now the best thing that i find to do when investing in property is to have a look at the year's worth of expected expenses and i would strongly suggest that you break that down into monthly into a monthly amount um, so if you've got a few thousand dollars every year, what is it per month and I would suggest that you then look at well what what amount of income I, am I expecting to bring in every month and have I will I need to top it up it's that it's there when you know um, whether something is going to be negatively geared positively or neutrally. Uh, and I would suggest that you, if you find that it's going to be negative that you put that money away, um, so that you're ready when you have a shortfall. Because sometimes if you've got a rental manager managing your property, sometimes you might find, you know, you could be expecting $400 a week rent and they might pay you fortnightly and you're expecting $800 to come in. You're never going to get $800 because they're going to take off their management fee first and they're going to take off their administration fees. So you'll never get $800 And also, sometimes you may get $200 come through and you think, what the heck is going on here? I've only got $200. I was expecting $800. That's because maybe your council rates were due. And if they're paying all the bills, then you might have a whole heap of bills come out at some time. So I would strongly suggest that when you are investing in property, you make sure you're very much aware of that. And I would suggest that you have a separate bank account that your rent goes into and that you put in some money every month that you know is going to be a shortfall throughout the year. So let's say, for instance, we're in March at the moment. Let's say I get my full $400 a week rent less the management fees. That's okay. That can cover the mortgage on the property this month. I'm okay with that. But down the track, let's say you've got your council rates and your water rates coming out, then you, you may not have enough to cover the mortgage that month. And it may be a very big bill month for you personally. So all of a sudden, help. I, I'm a bit short of money here. But if you were regularly putting away, if you if you had worked out that you, it's going to cost you a few thousand dollars a year, so you're going to put away, let's say, $200 a month into your investment um, bank account. So that when a shortfall of rent comes in, you've got a buildup of money in that account to be able to cover the shortfall on the rent. So I hope you found that quite interesting and I've not gone too heavy. I know um, we're getting on a bit in time, so I'm going to leave it there. I just want to quickly mention that um, water rates, with regard to water rates, in some instances, you can charge, well, most instances now, you can charge the tenant the water usage um, and sometimes you can charge the tenant the water supply, but talk with your rental manager about that. Okay. Now, if you've got any further questions, please feel free to to email me at podcast at coachchris.com.au. I'm sure I've sparked a lot of questions because there's a lot more to do uh, than that, but I've really just touched on it. But let me know your questions. And also... Um, you know, start to do a bit of, if if it's something that interests you, start to do a bit of research. What I always talk to my clients about is pretending that you've got an investment property before you actually buy one and write down what the costs associated with it would be. Look at the type of property you're looking for and go from there and see what the costs are and what the mortgage is likely to be. And can you afford that every month? So really have a look at it and practice it, because if an emergency comes up, you cannot take from the from affording the costs associated with your investment property just to cover the emergency. You've got to be able to cover everything. So this is why it's really important that you know you're ready to invest because you've got some spare money every single month. All right. I hope I've wet your appetite. Next time we'll be talking about shares. Um, and yes, if there are any questions, please feel free to talk to me. So now I'd like to leave you with today's quote, and it it is, Education is the passport to the future. For tomorrow belongs to those who prepare for it today. And I love that quote. I'm actually not sure who said it. But uh, what I love about it is the fact that it really talks about making sure you spend the time learning and understanding and researching so that you go into something fully knowing what's ex- what you're expecting. Remember that triangle last time we talked about the, the risk This is what you're doing. You're gaining education. You're running the numbers. You're making sure that you understand fully what it's going to cost you before you do invest. And so this really, this form of education really is the passport to your investment future for tomorrow belongs to those who prepare for it today. So I'll leave you with that. Hope you've enjoyed today. Hope you've also noticed the beautiful song of the crows in the background. I have got my window open here where I'm podcasting and I've got a lovely bird sound outside. I think there's a big crow out there. Anyway, hope you've enjoyed those bird sounds and I'll talk to you next week. Talk soon. (laughs) I'm trying to talk the 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 the